Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast, hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Hi everybody and welcome to episode 33 of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. This is your host, Jessica Tai. I'm very happy to be here with you guys today and um, exciting to be able to get the second part of the um, listener question that we had last week out there. So we'll get to that in just a minute. We're going to talk about a little bit about her question in regards to keto and osteoporosis. But I uh, just wanted to catch up with you guys really quick. So let's see what's going on in the Thai household right now. Well, this past week was um, one of my little girl's um, sixth birthday. She turned six and it was pretty exciting. But I think the coolest part was she had asked me if I would, I asked her what she wanted to do for her birthday and she just wanted to spend her birthday with her mom. So I was so excited about that and I thought that was so sweet. She just um, requested to go out to lunch and she wanted to go to Build-A-Bear. So um, if you're not familiar with Build-A-Bear, if you don't have kids or haven't seen one in a mall, it's this uh, store in a mall and you pick out a stuffed animal essentially, uh, the shell of a stuffed animal, and then they stuff it and then you can buy like $500 worth of uh, accessories to go with this $25 to $35 animal. <laughs> and um, the kids, of course, they want everything. They come with outfits and you can get tiaras and they even have roller skates and they can get cars and it's crazy. But anyway, so because of all of that, we make it, um, it's only a special occasion thing for our family. So I know some people will go um, whenever and just let their kids do this, but we only do it on special occasions. So it was something that Gabby really, really wanted to do. I think she's been like three times in six years. I think she went a couple years ago for her birthday. And then I think we took them maybe last Christmas. And so she has been talking about this for months. And so she's been super excited to go. So it was really fun. We just, she picked out a cute little, little, um, teddy bear and got it stuffed. And then, um, you know, we went through all the they, you can try dresses on them and do all this fun stuff. So I did let her pick an outfit. And then we just went and had lunch together in the food court. So it was so sweet. It was such a fun little mother-daughter date. And it's actually the first time we've ever done that, just the two of us. And it's just kind of amazing reflecting on the last six years with her and just everything um, in our lives and, and all of that. It's just amazing. She's like my soulmate and I just love her so much and we just have so much fun together. So it was really fun just walking around. She loved walking around the mall with me and she wanted to go look at shoes and I'm telling you, like I said, soulmates. So, <laughs> so it was really fun, but that was uh, Monday we did that, and it was great. They were off school for President's Day, so it was another long weekend. I feel like we have had more long weekends this year than ever between snow days and holidays and teacher and service days and all these crazy things. But so that was good. She enjoyed that. It was nice to be off. Um, Derek is not joining me. Um, I don't know if you'll hear him in this recording since part of this is pre-recorded 
from last week's episode, but he is actually not here today. He is in California. So dropped him off at the airport last Friday, and he has been there. He went for a conference for um, his company, for, for Keller Williams and Real Estate. So he's been there. Uh, all week for that. And then he spent a couple extra days um, to visit family. So his family is in Southern California and we have not been to visit them since Gabby was born. So it's been six years and we used to go every couple years and it's been a while. So that was really nice. And I actually was supposed to go with him. And then at the last, uh, not really the last minute, but on a second thought, we called and canceled my ticket because I just have a little bit too much going on with everything in our lives right now. And I just, uh, just was, didn't really want to try to get out of town. And I really wanted to go. I mean, California is one of my very favorite places in the world to go, um, and visit probably a toss up between there and Utah, but had, um, had really wanted to go and just, just felt like it was not the right thing to do. And plus knowing I'd be gone on Gabby's birthday and here she was requesting just to spend time with mommy for her birthday. I just thought, Oh, I can't do that. I just can't leave and, and miss her birthday. So ended up just staying here and that's been fine, but I missed Derek a, a lot. It's been kind of funny actually, because, you know, one of the things we love about California this time of year, we, we go, we've been often in February actually. And one of the reasons we love it is the weather there is usually gorgeous in February. You're usually seventies and just beautiful. And of course there's, you know, it's just, it's just beautiful sunshines every day and there's no humidity obviously. And it's just awesome. And usually here in February, it's cold and snowy, but it was so funny because yesterday Derek texted me and said, um, it is 39 degrees here. And I don't know if I brought warm enough clothes to walk down to the beach today. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. Like I literally just took a walk with my girlfriends and it's about 67 degrees now already early in the morning and it's supposed to hit 70, 75. So like, we were um, in the wrong states. He's in California, I'm in Ohio and the weather got swapped on him. So it's kind of funny. But yeah, so his move missed him. He'll be back. I get to go pick him up from the airport on Thursday and that will be perfect. I need to get him back here. I'm uh, doing everything here at the house by myself is not only not fun, but it's very hard <laughs> because there's a five of these little people and I'm like way outnumbered. So I need Derek back here. I need my partner back. So anyway, uh, looking forward to that. But okay, well, I guess that's about all we have going on um, around here. So now that I got you guys caught up a little bit, I'm just going to get right into the episode um, where we're going to talk about osteoporosis and how ketogenic diets may or may not affect osteoporosis. So one of the, um, just in case you guys didn't tune in to last week's episode, uh, episode number 32, we I answered some listener questions and this listener question was submitted and via email and she asked, she says, I'm submitting a question in hopes to answer it via message or on one of your podcasts. Do you have any knowledge of keto lifestyle and its positive or negative effects on osteoporosis? So um, yes, yes and no. So if you go online, you can go, which I did, and you can Google um, effects. I, out of curiosity, I wanted to see what you could find out there of effects of ketogenic diets and osteoporosis. So that was quite interesting. So you will find all kinds of information that is not 
accurate. <laughs> um, and a lot of it points toward the ketogenic diet being um, having a lot of acidic foods. So you may or may not have, have heard of the alkaline diets, and I'm not going to get into this, but it is... Um, it's just not, it's not accurate. So there are foods that when you burn them up with uh, basically a blowtorch in a lab, you do get acid or alkaline ash from those foods. So there are many foods, largely animal foods, uh, animal products, like meat, things like that, grains, they say as well, are alkal or I'm sorry, acid forming foods. And then um, they're mostly fruits and vegetables, things like that are alkaline um, foods. The issue with that uh, mainly is that our bodies are not blowtorches and we do not burn up food like that. We um, obviously we digest food and it's a much more intricate process than just throwing it into a fire and waiting on the ash to be left behind. So um, there's a lot of issues with the whole acid alkaline thing, but I'm not going to get into that right now. But one of the main um, drawbacks that on the internet you'll find uh, that people state with the ketogenic diet is that it's a very acid forming diet and, and this leads to problems and can lead to issues with osteoporosis, which I will explain in a minute as to why they would even um, kind of draw that conclusion. But in addition to that, um, if you look on PubMed or, or any other types of, um, if you read any research papers where there's actually been research done to prove or disprove this theory, you'll find that they've actually not been able to prove that theory. Surprise, surprise. Um, and you'll also just, just um, kind of as a little sidebar, if you do go out to look for acid, um, alkaline causing foods, um, and you look for like alkaline diet, you will find all kinds of information on it touting its health benefits. But one of the interesting things is if you look up, look up uh, pH food lists and you will probably not be able to find one that actually matches another one that you find. And um, the reason being because they pretty much just make up whatever they want to make up about these uh, lists and what makes you more alkaline or more acid. So it's kind of interesting. So if you want to see if there's any truth to that diet, um, I mean, for me, that's a pretty good indicator that there's not a lot of merit behind that because you can't even find a list that matches because nobody can agree on it because the information is just so skewed and it's just not, there's just no scientific backing to it at all. But so anyway, it's kind of interesting, but okay. So, so ketogenic diets and osteoporosis. So I would say that it could be either. Um, they could be beneficial for uh, that, you know, it could be positive in helping you to not get osteoporosis, but it could also be have negative effects and actually, um, you know, potentially have an impact negatively in relation to osteoporosis. So why I say that is that it is very important, and I and this would apply to any diet, not just the ketogenic diet, but it is super, super important how you are digesting your food. So if you are moving to a ketogenic diet and you're unable to digest the protein and, and the fats and you can't assimilate the vitamins and, and minerals and you know all the nutrients that, you're, that are in your food, then absolutely it is going to um, 
negatively affect your bones potentially and um, could certainly help lead to an osteoporosis or osteopenia for your bones. And that would be true for any diet that you're on, whether that's the paleo diet or the blood type diet or the Jenny Craig diet or whatever diet that you may be on, whatever you're eating, if you're not digesting it properly and your body is unable to get those nutrients, namely calcium, um, but other nutrients out of the food that you need to balance that mineral, then you're going to have problems. So let's just kind of look at some of the basics about our bones and calcium use, just so we can kind of understand like where I'm coming from on this and why uh, this would make sense and why it's really more about your digestion and less about uh, what diet specifically that you're eating. Although there are definitely some things about diet uh, that would matter, but more importantly is if you are digesting your food and actually able to get nutrients out of your food. So all things considered, that's going to level the playing field. So some of the basics about um, bones and calcium and how they kind of go together, because we all know that you are, you know, your bones are made strong by calcium and vitamin D, right? Like that's kind of the prevailing wisdom. Everybody knows that. So approximately 99% of our body's calcium is actually stored in our bones. So it's pretty important to understand also that bones are just calcified, hard connective tissue. That's what they are. And we, those bone, that tissue, the old bone tissue is continually destroyed and the new bone tissue is created. And that's a process that's called bone remodeling. So that's why it's important that we're constantly re replenishing our stores of calcium and vitamin D and that we're, um, in, in addition to many other nutrients, but in this context, we're going to talk about calcium specifically, but calcium and vitamin D, it's why you can't just build your bones once and then you're like, oh, okay, well, they're great. I got good, strong bones. And then it's it. Your um, bones are constantly remodeling or rebuilding. So they have to rebuild that tissue. So you need to have the available resources to be able to build that tissue. And where it becomes a problem is when you don't have those available resources. And so, um, and, and then you can't make these strong, these bones strong. So in our bodies, um, we have calcium. Calcium is used in many, many places, um, not just the bones. But calcium is used um, is is used for tissues. It's used in our blood as a uh, buffer to make sure that our blood does not become too acidic. So when our blood calcium levels decrease and the our blood does become too acidic, our parathyroid gland detects this and it increases the release of the parathyroid hormone, which then triggers the release of calcium into the blood. So if we don't have good reserves of calcium, then what happens is our blood is the, blood is top tier. It's the number one, it's the big dog. That's that's the number one priority and our body knows it. Number two is our tissues. So number three is the bones. So being the, the low man on the totem pole, so to speak, our bodies will take that calcium from the bones in order to be able to use it in our blood to keep our pH balance maintained. So the pH balance in our blood is a very important thing. 
So <laughs> the very important reason is if our blood pH is not maintained, we die. <laughs> so super important. And our bodies will do whatever they need to do to be able to maintain that. Um, whatever's within the realm of what they can do. And our bodies are smart. I mean, we we need to definitely be looking at, at our bodies as not this big dumb machine that we have to, you know, manage everything and, and it's going to, you know, do all these wrong things. You know, if we give our bodies what it needs, you know, they're really good at managing all of these things for us because, hey, I mean, they want to stay alive. They're doing everything they can to keep us um, up and running and moving the way we should be. So in order to um, keep the acid-alkaline balance, or what's called a pH level in our blood, um, our bodies use these different minerals in our body to do that. And calcium is the key mineral in our body that is alkaline and will be used to help balance the pH levels when necessary, specifically in regards to our blood. So our blood pH levels have to be maintained between 7.35 and 7.45, which 7 0.4 being kind of right in the sweet spot where it likes to be. That is a pretty narrow window. So if that's not maintained, like I said, we'll die. So um, maybe not immediately. It takes a little while, but um, we do run the risk of some serious health, health consequences if it gets out of that window for very long. And like I said, our body will do what it can to bring that back into line. So because of this, our calcium needs to be readily available for us to keep that homeostasis or that balance in the blood. So right now, you know, we pretty much have epidemic levels of digestive issues, specifically low levels of HCL in our country today. And with that being such a big issue, we it also leaves us with an issue being able to absorb much needed um, minerals in our system like calcium. So when we can't properly extract and absorb the calcium from our foods, then we will steal the calcium out of bones in order to get it to the higher prioritized tissues and then most importantly, our blood. So of course, this process of taking calcium from our bones in order to balance our tissue and blood pH isn't without consequences. And one of those could certainly include an issue like osteoporosis, an issue with bone remodeling. So you can kind of see how um, this is could be a, a real problem, right? Um, so we need the calcium. So just to kind of explain a little bit more about calcium and why it's so important or it's so important to have so many different things that help um, our bodies be able to absorb and utilize this calcium specifically for our bones to keep them strong is we need to have other, we need to have all these different cofactors in our body. So one of them is just our body's um, pH, our hormonal function has to be on, has to be right. Um, hydration with water and electrolytes, we need to have a good balance of that in order for calcium to be absorbed and used properly. Other minerals are cofactors for calcium absorption, vitamins, fatty acids. Um, fatty acids, uh, we have to have those for calcium to be able to get through to the cell walls. Digestion, so like we just talked about with hydrochloric acid being a big issue. If we can't break down the food that we're eating and we can't get those nutrients out of the food and get those absorbed, then um, that's a real problem. And we're not able to absorb those things into our bloodstream. 
It's also important to understand that pretty much everybody in this country actually gets enough calcium. We really don't have a problem with getting enough calcium. The problem is that we're missing one or more of these cofactors. So regardless of the diet you're on, it's really more important for osteoporosis that we keep all of these, we, we keep all this in mind and we know that we have all these cofactors for calcium and that we are able to properly absorb it and therefore keep our, our bones nice and strong and everything going the way that it should be. So um, with the digestion, just one little point I want to keep, I want to make on that is um, it's not just an issue of being able to digest the food and be able to assimilate the calcium, absorb the calcium um, because our digestion is working properly. It's also important to know that calcium actually needs an acidic environment to be able to be properly absorbed. So in our HCL, is um, it's a very acidic environment in our stomachs. So if we have, if we do not have that very acidic environment, then we will actually not be able to absorb the calcium. Even if we are somewhat breaking things down, we have to have that acid specifically for calcium. Okay, so... Um, Anyway, so that's kind of, I don't want to beat that to death. So just the uh, digestion part, as you can see, is really important. Another kind of a something that comes up when I think about ketogenic diets is I think about electrolytes and electrolyte balance and how that can be a real issue for people on the ketogenic diet. Basically, anybody eating a low-carb diet, electrolytes can be an issue. If we're not... Uh, if we're not holding on to all the water, which we will not hold on to if we're not eating these higher carb diets, um, as these glucose molecules are encased in water. So we tend to have more um, electrolytes and just more water in general when we eat higher carbs. So if we don't eat higher carb, if we're eating a low carb or ketogenic diet, um, you hear a lot about the electrolyte issue. And a lot of people experience this as the keto flu. Uh, you hear it called and, and whatnot when you first start the ketogenic diet. And i um, totally been there. So I remember what that was like very well. Um, even though I thought I was being well hydrated, I really wasn't as well as I should have been. And, um, you know, you might have the cramping at night, your calf muscles, that type of thing, the headaches, the um, dizzy, dizziness, nausea, all those types of things. Well, if that kind of stuff is going on on your ketogenic diet, if you don't have good electrolyte balance, if you're not being um, very conscious about your electrolytes and making sure that you're getting those much needed minerals in, then that can be a real problem because like we just talked about, that is a cofactor for calcium absorption and use is electrolytes and water. So we need to be um, very cognizant of that and make sure that we're um, not letting that get imbalanced and that we're staying well hydrated and um, supplementing with electrolytes if necessary so that we can keep all of that properly functioning. So that could be an, a place where the ketogenic diet um, could have a negative effect on your calcium absorption and uh, down the road lead to osteoporosis or osteopenia type um, issues. 
if we're not cognizant of that. So that would definitely be one that would come to mind when I'm thinking of the ketogenic diet. Now, before we go any further on this, I just do want to talk about what is osteoporosis because I think most of us know, but there might be some people listening. I don't want to just assume. There might be some people listening they are like, oh, okay, she's talking about bones. That must be, you know, I think I've heard about bone loss or whatever. But just in case, if you don't, um, so reading this from the National Osteoporosis Foundation website, um, they describe osteoporosis is a bone disease that occurs when the body loses too much bone, makes too little bone, or both. As a result, bones become weak and may break from a fall or, in serious cases, from sneezing or minor bumps. So this is why osteoporosis becomes such a big deal. Your bones become so brittle because they are unable to be remodeled uh, strong and healthy that they can literally break from sneezing. So obviously not a good um, thought, <laughs> not a good thing. Um, so about 54 million Americans have osteoporosis and low bone mass. So if you have a low bone mass, that that puts you at an increased risk to actually develop osteoporosis. So I guess they, you know, kind of low bone mass is what happens prior to actually getting osteoporosis. But um, there are studies that suggest that one in two women and up to one in four men age 50 and older will break a bone due to osteoporosis. So it is a pretty serious deal. And it is, you know, it's huge in this country, um, osteoporosis is. It actually, there are more deaths caused by osteoporosis than um, than cervical cancer and breast cancer combined. So that to me blew my mind when I read that statistic. I mean, you just don't hear about osteoporosis being this huge big deal and um, people talking about this in the way that they do about cancers and things. So, um, so that's, it's a pretty big deal, um, something we definitely need to be thinking about. And um, there's there's many ways to help with this. Like we just talked about um, these cofactors that calcium needs to be absorbed. So that's super important because obviously we need the calcium. There are other ways to get more calcium in. And um, I found this great list of some ideas um, through this uh, spine health website. But a couple of the things that they talk about is avoiding soft drinks is a big one because consuming large quantities of soda raises uh, the phosphate levels in our blood, which can leach calcium from our bones and prevent absorption of new calcium. Again, pH levels. So um, our bodies will take that calcium from our bones and, and, um, and balance out that pH levels in our blood. Um, getting enough vitamin D. We know that that's a huge problem in this country. I think pretty much everybody's aware now the talk about vitamin D and how you know we're not getting enough vitamin D. We're not absorbing it. So we have had an episode on this podcast before on Keto Lifestyle where we talked about vitamins and absorption of those vitamins and we talked at length about vitamin D and calcium. And in that episode, we talked about how if you do not have enough vitamin D in your system, you will not be able to absorb absorb calcium. So calcium and vitamin D go hand in hand and you have to have enough of one to have the other um, and properly be able to absorb those. So that's a really big deal. Um, and you know, eating a good diet with good 
animal sources, you will be able to get vitamin D and, and adequate levels of vitamin D. Getting out in the sun, you should be able um, to get out at least a few minutes a day if possible and try to help get some uh, vitamin D from the sun that way. That's a super important um, way to get vitamin D to absorb it. And you really just need about five to 10 minutes of exposure each day to really help your intake of D. So um, some other really great ways to get vitamin D, um, I'm sorry, to get calcium, I should say, is um, salmon is a great way to get calcium. We've all heard about milk. There are some issues with milk, um, especially highly processed milk that you would find in your grocer's shelves. So milk that's been homogenized and pasteurized. Um, it is very difficult to extract any type of absorbable vitamins or minerals from those because that milk has been fortified because we kill everything in it when they pasteurize it and homogenize it. So um, you probably would be able to get adequate amounts of calcium from drinking raw dairy. However, with the daily, I believe the daily recommendation for calcium for females is somewhere around 1,200 milligrams of calcium, and I believe a glass of milk is probably around 100 to 150, um, or no, it's probably about two, maybe 200 milligrams, something like that. I should have wrote all this down, but basically you would have to drink a lot, many, many glasses of milk in order to get your recommended amount. So you definitely want to have a good varied diet where you're getting lots of other good foods like spinach and broccoli, other dark leafy green veggies. Those are especially high in calcium. So those are great ways to get it. Nuts like almonds and Brazil nuts, they have good servings of calcium. So those are some good ways to get it. And um, supplementing with an over-the-counter calcium supplement is also not the best way. Um, you cannot supplement your way out of a bad diet, guys. We've talked about that here before. So it's just really important to try to get these through your diet. Try to make sure your digestion is going well, it's the way it should be. You're able to absorb not just calcium, but these other vitamins and these other nutrients that your that your body needs. And um, that's how you're going to avoid something like osteoporosis or anything else. So hopefully that uh, helps and sheds a little bit of light on on the whole um, calcium and osteoporosis and the question about keto and, and osteoporosis. So just to kind of recap that, I guess my answer is that the ketogenic diet can be awesome for helping not to get osteoporosis or with um, rebuilding your, bo your bones stronger going forward to help you remodel them and, and build the tissue back the way it should be. So ketogenic diet could be great for that. It could also be terrible <laughs> if you um, are unable to digest your fats and proteins and, you know, the foods that we're eating on this diet, um, on this, you know, then this keto lifestyle, if you're unable to do that, then it could actually work against you. So there is no right or wrong answer. Um, just comes down to all these cofactors and making sure you have these things in um, alignment and making sure everything's working the way it should be. And that's how you'll avoid something like osteoporosis. So thanks so much for writing that question in. That was a great question. I'm sure there's other people that have thought about that. So I think that was a good one. So that question um, got me thinking about, when I was thinking about the whole um, pH 
balance and, and this um, acid alkaline balance in our bodies. And um, especially when I was kind of looking into the whole um, alkaline diet thing and, and, um, and just kind of the stuff that was coming up with that. And I get frustrated about that type of thing because I, I just get frustrated that people go to the internet and they, and not that you go to the internet, but that, that they go to look for things to help themselves um, and trying to find good information out there. And there's information like there is on the whole alkaline diet thing. And then it's very confusing to people. And you have to understand how nutrition works in our bodies and just the physiology, the biology. It's, it's so much more complicated than just um, slapping a, a diet like an alkaline diet or a blood type diet or something like that. And, um, you know, and I don't expect most people to go to the internet and find information like that and be able to read what they're saying and, and, and pick out the things that don't make sense because you go, wait a minute, that uh, my body doesn't work like that. Because most people, unless you have a background in nutrition or anatomy, physiology, you know, those types of things, you, you don't, there would be no reason that you would, that you would, um, question a lot of the things that they say, or that you would even know to question some of the claims that are made. So I get frustrated about that stuff. And I, I just, um, it's a big reason why I do what I do here is I just want to get good information out to people. And, um, especially in regards to the ketogenic diet as a, you know, all around all, you know, all things considered, I think the ketogenic diet is a really, really good diet for most people. Um, I don't think the ketogenic diet will work for everyone, but I do think for most it will. And, and probably certainly a, um, some version of the keto diet will work for nearly everyone. And we are also bio individuals. So I really focus on that. Um, when I'm working working with clients and just trying not so much to, um, you know, push everybody toward a ketogenic diet, but to push everybody to what is going to be the healthiest and the best solution for their specific body. But as I was going through um, doing the, and you know, just kind of pulling together the information for this podcast in regards to osteoporosis and um, just working through the calcium thing, and like I said, it brought the whole pH balance thing up. And so one of the things that kind of made me think about was the whole alkaline water thing. And I really just wanted to take a minute on this podcast, okay, maybe five minutes <laughs> since I have time on this episode, I really just wanted to address it. Now, I do know that there are plenty of people out there that, um, that, believe in alkaline water and they think that this is um, this really great thing and I'm not going to mention any of the name brands that are out there um, but you can buy these very expensive alkaline water machines and people will tell you of all these awesome benefits of, of drinking alkaline water and if you've been paying attention to this episode you may already be thinking your wheels may already be kind of turning in your head and you may be thinking um, yeah but um, if I'm, if I'm drinking alkaline water and that's going into my stomach and then I'm supposed to have this very acidic environment in my stomach, 
maybe that's not a great idea. Or maybe you're thinking, well, she just told me that there's no such thing as acid and alkaline foods as far as our bodies are concerned. And so what's the difference in alkaline water? That shouldn't make any difference at all. Good question. So instead of just asking you guys to take this directly from me, I think I should go to the experts for you. So this is an article from the Nutritional Therapy Association, um, <clears throat> excuse me, that's basically talking about the dangers associated with drinking alkaline water. And so I just want to share this with you and kind of let you think about it and mull it over. And this may be the first time that you've heard that there's issues with alkaline water. And um, I just want to kind of get this information out there to you and let you, you know, hear it for yourself. You know, I do run across a lot of clients that use alkaline water. People a lot that have these alkaline water machines in their home or they go and pick up the gallons of uh, alkaline water that you can go and pick up. And let me tell you, this stuff's not cheap. So it's, it's an expensive thing and people really believe that they are doing something really good for their bodies. And so I'm hoping somebody listening to this today will um, stop the use of alkaline water because of what they hear on here today and may really start to see some uh, some turnaround or stop some things from happening before it's too late. Um, so let me kind of talk to you a little bit about it. I'll read you some of these things that, um, statistics, I don't need to recreate the wheel, so they've, they've uh, put it in here, so it'll be easy to tell you. So first of all, we know that there's no digestion, digestion needed to absorb water, and it is 100% absorbed into the blood. So if you're drinking a water with a pH of 8.5 to let's say 9, which is about where these alkaline water pHs are, there to be alkaline it needs to be above a pH of 8 or higher. Um, so when the pH of your blood is so tightly regula regulated, like we've talked about, by these buffers that they'll just continuously work to maintain this range, which is right around 7.4. So um, that's a slightly more alkaline than pure water. So pure water that is provided by Mother Nature has a pH of 7. So our blood pH has to be about 7.4. And so when we're drinking this alkaline water that is so much more alkaline than pure water or the, uh, the, the pH in our blood, then our body is going to have to work really hard to try and keep um, keep that blood pH level where it needs to be. And research has shown that if the body's pH, um, the blood pH level is slightly alkaline, then the body cannot heal itself. So, you know, it's one, it's kind of ironic because it's one of the things that the promoters of these, um, alkaline water machines that you can get and they, you know, you sign up for these MLM, MLM, you know, marketing systems and whatnot. Um, you know, one of the things that they claim is that cancer cells cannot live in an alkaline environment. And that is a true claim. And um, they have that part right. They, they can't. But what they don't tell you is that neither can any of the other cells in your body. So when your body's pH does not, you know, is not balanced, you cannot effectively assimilate or absorb any vitamins, minerals, food supplements, anything. 
um, it's it's a bad deal. They also, they don't talk about this in this article, but I do know from doing my own research that cancer cells, they're right, they cannot survive in an alkaline environment, but cancer cells can still grow in a normal environment that any other cell in your body can grow in. And they do like it to be more acidic, so they produce their own acid once they start growing. So it's not that they had to have an, acid, an acidic environment to begin, it's that they will make their own acidic environment. So they're, they're looking at this and then they're kind of twisting the facts a little bit to make it look like, um, you know, I'll see they have to have an acid environment, but they really don't. And when they create, when they grow cancer cells in a petri dish and in a, a lab somewhere, they're not putting those in an acidic environment. They're growing those in the same environment that would be in your body, in the same type of pH level. So um, another thing that this article talks about, which is the, kind of the end of the article that I really think is, is great for you guys to hear, they say, in other cases, our artificial alkaline water can cause localized excess alkalinity. Artificial alkaline water only effectively neutralizes acid when it comes in direct contact. This means that it only neutralizes the acids in the first part of the digestive process in areas like the upper bowel and the stomach. Not only is this not combating excessive acidity at the cellular level, where the real problem is, but it is actually causing upper bowel and stomach to be over-alkaline. This then snowballs into serious health problems. You are no longer protected from bacteria, viruses, fungus, molds, yeast, and parasites when you have low amounts of stomach acids. We have to remember, guys, that that stomach acid is like our barrier. That's our first barrier to these these um, pathogens being able to get into our body. Most of them perish in stomach acid. Have you ever wondered why somebody you'll, you, you know, you hear people will go and they'll eat the same dinner at the same place. Maybe they go to the um, same event and they hear, you know, you'll have a handful of people get sick and people that ate the same food at the same time didn't get sick. It's because more than likely the ones that got sick didn't have a really good barrier of protection. And so those pathogens, that bacteria was able to get through their stomach acid, where the people who have stronger digestion and have better stomach acid, the pathogens were not able to affect them. So in, in summary, never mess with Mother Nature. We have tracked several patients' serious health effects back to drinking alkaline water. Some patients were drinking it for years, and others had only been drinking it for a couple of months. But nonetheless, these examples prove the danger of drinking alkaline water. Do not mess with nature. It's perfect, and you can't improve perfection. And man, isn't that the truth? It's where we always seem to get in trouble is where we're trying to... Uh, change these things that is that are in nature and that are provided to us and that are provided perfectly for us. And where they get messed up is when we interfere with them and we start changing things. Okay, so I'm not going to keep <clears throat> going over this and over this and over this. <laughs> um, I have a tendency to do that. I know, I get it. But um, So that's all I'm going to say about the alkaline water and I just thought that this would um, be a good time and a good episode to, to bring that in and just kind of um, finish that. So to wrap this episode up, I just wanted to share with you guys um, a wonderful review that I got 
on Facebook, on my Facebook page, it's um, facebook.com forward slash Jessica Ty Nutrition. And so I just wanted to share this with you. It's uh, out there and you can go read it on the Facebook page if you would like. But it's a wonderful review, and who doesn't like to share wonderful reviews? So <laughs> I know I do, so I'm going to share this one. Um, so she gave me five stars. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I really appreciate it. And I hope I don't get choked up reading this, because when I read it the first time, I really did get choked up. Um, well, I think it was kind of cool, because um, mm-hmm. we want the kids to understand that all the stuff we talk about at dinner every night is real, and it affects people's lives. And Mm -hmm. I remember seeing this review out there and asking you at the dinner table and the kids, a couple of them said, well, what would it say? And then Mm -hmm. you got to read it with the kids. So I think it's important uh, to get your kids involved with your, your health and lifestyle Mm -hmm. and business and all the things that we do. And we make it part of our dinner table. We try to have a traditional dinner almost every night Mm -hmm. with our family. And I know that's kind of rare in this world anymore, but you know, we're pretty traditional, I guess. Um, but I think these are the kind of conversations around the dinner table that are good. Yeah, I think it's good. And I think it's good to see your parents in, you know, in this light and realize that they're just real people. And um, and I think it's really good when you can know that your parents are doing something that's making a difference in somebody's that's, life. That's the big part is, I mean, because they don't really connect, like, maybe how we eat and how we live that's maybe different than the rest Mm -hmm. of the world too yeah so okay so it says she writes i will forever be grateful that i found jessica's keto podcast i believe now for the first time in many many years that i can and i will will heal my body and shed my excess weight through the keto way of life I have tried every diet and every pill, potion, and powder out there for the past 30 plus years. I can remember dieting with my best friend at about eight years old, third grade, y'all, when we'd eat tomatoes, soup, and crackers every day for lunch and wouldn't exceed 700 calories. The damage I have done to my poor body over the last three decades is just sad. Looking back, I can't believe what all I have done to the body who has given me so much. But that being said, now I am armed with the knowledge behind what I am doing and how and why things work. I have the patience to wait for my body to heal itself. I know it won't happen overnight, but the magic is happening and literally 30 years of damage is being undone one day at a time, all while feeling great in the meantime and shedding excess weight. I am finally able to take the knowledge I had from years of being a type A self-help kind of girl together with the science that Jessica has and put it all together for the betterment of my total life experience. My goal is optimal homeostasis and I just know like in my soul that I will get there. Yeah, girl. (laughs) That's awesome. The hope is real y'all and I so recommend Jessica's podcast and share specific episodes and posts whenever I have the opportunity or get a question from someone, whether it's regarding keto or just someone seeking advice on healthy living in general. It's been life-changing for this 43-year-old former chronic yo-yo dieter. Keep up the great work. Knowledge you are imparting to the rest of us is absolutely priceless. God bless you and your sister. So sweet. Like, I'm all choked up already. So that is unbelievable. And so that is why I do this. And I am so thankful to Jennifer for writing that. And I'm so grateful to God that he 
introduced this podcast to her and brought her to the podcast. And I am grateful that he gives me this platform to be able to get out there and help people, um, help people that maybe otherwise wouldn't get reached. They just wouldn't know. And, you know, whether or not everybody becomes a personal coaching client of mine is not my goal. Yeah, I can't personally coach everybody that I would like to be able to coach. Even if everybody had the money to hire a personal coach, yeah. a nutritional coach to do this, I still wouldn't be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Even if everybody threw the money at my feet and said, please take me. There's only so many hours in the day. So this podcast to make that much of a difference and that girl's life. And, and it was an amazing feedback. You know, I have people that I correspond with off and on Mm -hmm. through Instagram and all these different, you know, little outlets as often as I can. And I know you guys, um, often I am really slow to get back to messages and stuff. And please just know that it isn't because it's not my heart and soul. I just, there's just only so many hours in the day. And honestly, sometimes they get past me and I realized weeks later that, oh my gosh, I never, I don't think I ever responded to this one or so. Um, but just, it means so much to me, you guys. And I just, I am so grateful to be able to be of any type of service. So thank you all for listening so much to this podcast and please continue to send me the great feedback. Please continue to send me the questions. I love getting those. I love being able to address them on the show and, um, that's really it. So if you want to reach out to me, You can go to my website and learn more about me and what I do um, and find ways to get a hold of me there. It's www.jessicatai.com. You can um, send me an email, jessica at jessicatai.com. You can follow me on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash Nutrition. You can also find me on Instagram. I am at thatketoblonde, and that is T-H-A-T. K-E-T-O Blonde, B-L-O-N-D-E on Instagram. So um, I think that's it. Sounds good. Well, good night, y'all. Yeah, I know. I love that she put that in there. That's my roots, y'all. I'm a Kentucky girl at heart. Definitely a farm girl at heart, too. So, um, yep. So that's it for this episode of the Keto Lifestyle. Thanks, y'all. See you next week. episode of Keto Lifestyle was brought to you by Mobile Mutations. Mobile Mutations is an app development, software development company based out of Cincinnati, Ohio, that is able to evolve your ideas to the next level. Whether you're a small business or a large corporation looking to get app ideas or put together a new portfolio for your online presence, please visit the website at mobilemutations.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we shared with you today and are looking forward to the next episode. 